How's it going, man? Doing well. How are How are you? Uh doing pretty well. Are you in uh, Are you in Richmond today? Yeah, yeah. I'm in uh I'm in our new home. Uh, I guess how does it feel to be Richmond's newest homeowner? <laughs> uh, like there's a huge mortgage on my shoulders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so like what? Okay, so you guys just moved in today. That's like congratulations. That's like a huge step. Um, but yeah. how are you guys? Are you guys wrapping it up, or is it has it been like a couple of days process, or? Uh, so no, it's gonna be a, a little process just because um, you know how you just accumulate a lot of crap when you, uh, when you stay in a place for a long time. I was in my previous home for ten years, so there's just a lot of stuff. What What's the most random thing that you found in the process of excavating some of the stuff that you have accumulated? Uh, or maybe surprising. Maybe surprising is a better way to put it. Like something you forgot about. Yeah. Um, so I hadn't thought about this in a long time, but I had my troll doll from when I was a kid. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Like, do you remember me? I think I brought it to college too. <laughs> I vaguely remember an era where the troll was present in your room. Um, Same doll, man. Same doll. <laughs> was it wearing camo or was it? Uh, no, just straight purple. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. Uh, well, congrats again, I guess as a homeowner, I mean, like you've, you've obviously gone through this process with Paige, um, mm -hmm. but like, was there any moment that you were like, we're not getting this house or like, Oh, we just bought a house. Like, like, how was that? Like, how was the process for you in terms of getting all that squared away? And, and was it easy or I don't know, how did, how would you describe it? Yeah, so um I I mean going through it for the first time, I don't think there's anything that's easy doing it for the first time. We were just kind of deer in the headlights for the majority of the process. We were just very um dependent uh on our real estate agent and just I was hoping she wasn't trying to screw us over, you know? It was it was honestly very overwhelming. But I think what um, sold us on this home, I don't know that I could put it into words. Like so, sometimes you just walk into a home and you're like, hey, I can, I can see us living here. You know, yeah. like it had all the space we wanted. Um, and honestly, it, it was more a want than a need, right? So it, 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 it certainly is not quote unquote moving ready like you see on those the finished product on property brothers or yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it was, a, it was a very kind of black box process in the sense that uh, I, I didn't really have a sense of what was going on. It was just like, sign this paper, sign this paper. And I was, I put a lot of my trust in the, in the mortgage folks, the real estate agent and the other, in the seller, just hoping yep. they weren't trying to screw us over. I mean, having gone through the process too, and, and having talked to Venu last week about this too, um, yeah. it is like when you're, first, when you're doing for the first time, there's just zero, you know, transparency. I think, I, I think it's interesting because it's like you, you kind of know what to expect, but then the paperwork does start adding up and you're like, wait, what am I actually committing to? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you think for the investment that you're making that they, and it's not like these people are selling their first home, right? They know what what the buyers and what 
people buying and selling the home are going through, but they try to make it as opaque as possible. Right. Did you feel like when you're going through this process and you went in and you found this home, like there was a little bit of a compromise, uh, I guess, contrasting to what you and Paige originally sent out with in terms of like square footage or like uh, windows oh, or like yeah. all those, all those details that you found. So it wasn't, um, I think we, uh, what made the process a little easier was because we were making such a big investment, I said, I'm not compromising just to buy a home, right? Mm -hmm. This is a huge investment. I want to be able to get what I, what I want if I'm going to be investing that much money or taking on that much of a mortgage. Yeah. We had conversations, a lot of conversations leading up to it. It's like, hey, these are the features I want. These are the features you want. This is what we must have. These are things that would be nice. Um, and so we came into it with that approach. We were honestly looking on Zillow and Redfin for months ahead of time. So we had a better sense of what the other person liked and what the other person didn't like. Um, and this, this home just, just happened to check all the boxes that we want to check. Oh, that's awesome. So you, you kind of, you kind of went into it and you saw it and it actually had everything that you guys both agreed on yeah. or like you were collaborating on. Yeah. And well within our price point too. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, congrats again, man. I mean, that's such a huge, uh, milestone in, I feel like any family's life and, uh, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. So I'm oh. super, super stoked <laughs> for that. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, well, I'll, I'll Venmo you later. <laughs> So like, okay, so you've been, you've been in uh, Virginia for the last seven years, right? Eight years? Uh, so basically since uh, college ended, 20, uh, what, 12 years? Has it been that long? Yeah. Got I grew it. up here too, man. I, the, basically the only time I was out of Virginia was, uh, was in college. Did your parents like consciously set out to move there for like family reasons because of the job. Like how, how did your, your parents end up settling in Virginia? My dad ended up getting, uh, 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 like breaking a lot of molds here or Indians. He got a tech job in America. <laughs> uh, and so he actually moved out to Florida initially without my mom or without me and my sister. Uh, worked in Florida for nine months, and then we came over later once he realized that the situation was going to be a little more stable. And then for the mm. first four years or so that we were in the States, moved around a lot, Florida for a few months, no place for over a year, Florida for a few months, then New Jersey, several places in New Jersey. And then my dad had uh, a friend that he knew from India. They had gone to college together who was in Richmond. And then he got a job working for Signet Bank. Uh, and so that's how we wound up in Richmond. And once we wound up in Richmond, just had a great com in, uh, community. Uh, specifically, my parents found a great uh, South Indian community and uh, ended up uh, setting up roots there for for uh, quite a long time. Got it. Got it. And then you were, so you came over at the age of like one or two then, or was it? Even uh, earlier than that. Yeah, like four or five. Yeah, four or five. Okay. Was about one when uh, when we came over. Do you have like was your first memory like kind of in 
Richmond, like associated with your childhood? Or can you remember like even further back, like when you were actually moving and stuff? Like I had uh, close friends, but then we'd move and I would lose touch with them. So I remember a couple of vague faces uh, from New Jersey, like uh, kids my age that I became friendly with, and then we'd move and lose touch. Um, and Richmond was the first time that I remember going to elementary school with kids and then uh, still kind of remaining in touch with them all the way through high school until college. Was it a, a fairly small town when you moved in or how how would you describe the setting growing up? Uh, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't a huge city by any means. It was it had a lot like uh, I'd say, quote unquote, whatever you consider normal in childhood. We had all the uh, like access to whatever Chuck E. Cheese did <laughs> Discovery Zone, <laughs> all that, all that stuff. It was uh -huh. I'd say medium probably, but we grew up in the suburbs. So it was okay. kind of insulated. Um, insulated upbringing. We lived in apartments for a long time. We had, my parents didn't actually buy their first home until I was in high school. You mentioned that you were outside of Richmond in the suburbs. What what was the name of the town? Uh, Henrico. It's a it's a suburb. It's the county Henrico? right on top of Richmond, so just north of Richmond. Oh, I see. Okay. Cool. I, I in that in Henrico were you and your sister like um like spending a lot of time with, with each other too, or just far enough apart where we never went, uh, academically four years apart. So we never went to the same school outside of a year in elementary school. Uh, yeah. but it was, so, um, I remember taking in some advantage of the city, but I, I, I lived in my own bubble. I think, uh, there was a lot of just trying to navigating, finding, like trying to figure out who I was. Right. So yeah. um, there, it was just trying to find my like who, who. There were a lot of pressures, like the pro stereotypical. Hey, uh, you're an Indian immigrant. You have to become. You have to become a doctor. Uh, so there was a lot of family pressures. There was a lot of family pressure to perform academically. Um. Lot of emphasis on playing sports, playing a musical instrument, uh, things mm. like that. The extracurriculars only in so much as to get into a good college or university, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that mixed in with a my parent. I was my parents' oldest kid, and just like any parent, you're flying by the seat of your pants, which I'm starting to realize now. Sure, they grew up in a specific kind of South. Indian culture and all the pressures that they had when they grew up and they didn't, they were new to America too. So they didn't know they were raising me like they had been raised. Right. So they didn't understand yeah. the pressures that I, and things that I was seeing at school, even, even things like dating, things like that. So I didn't have, um, a lot of, uh, place uh, recourse to to talk with them about it, and my sister, uh, and by the time my sister got to the same ages, they had had they'd already kind of quote unquote experimented with me. So she, uh, they were more understanding with her. I feel like, and maybe that's that if that makes sense. I see.
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and and I don't know if it was like this for you as it was for me, but did you feel like the, um, I guess like the Indian friend community, was it pretty dispersed across like the region? Like with, like not necessarily clustered in like, you know, the part of Richmond that you were living in, but was it, was it kind of like you guys saw each other every so now and then, or like, was it pretty frequent that you saw each other because it was so, close in uh, proximity? So yeah, proximity, there's actually a pretty big Indian community in the Richmond area. Um, and, and there were mm. a lot of venue uh, avenues for us to interact. Right. So there were like birthday parties, dinner parties, all those regular, uh, all those kind of usual things. There was temple, uh, uh, events at temple that we were all involved in um yep but but as far as things like uh dating or um going to concerts things like that uh uh it was i were uh, i was in the sense that their parents were also first generation so uh yeah and i couldn't talk to my friends at school about all this stuff because i didn't know what they were talking about right like i didn't know how to date i never i don't think i ever did know how to date so i was forced to kind of uh lean on um uh pop culture for perspective on date perspectives on dating which was a very dumb way to do it in retrospect right because it's so it's so bastardized dating is not how it's <laughs> how it's uh like actual dating is not how it's portrayed on things like friends like i i, I... wait you bite you bite your tongue when you say that that's not true at all <laughs> you, you know you know i love that show <laughs> <laughs> but so uh -huh. Okay, so, but like, I guess like with your, okay, so like, getting a good, I'm getting a good sense of like the community there, but like, did you have like a friend though, that was like, kind of like the outlier and that they, he or she had more freedom to do those things? And like, was that, was that ever a thing? Friend that uh, did all those, like dated and had a more quote unquote, american livelihood but e even uh -huh. and, like amongst of course there are plenty of indians now that i know that had quote-unquote like more americanized upbringings dated went out to concerts like all uh, all whatever the normal um went out and hung out after going went to football, football games went out and hung out with their friends afterwards things like that right uh, uh but yeah uh when i was growing up uh no there weren't uh there weren't many of them and the one friend that i did have that did all those things kind of hit it from their hit it from their parents oh okay yeah. i see i so see more like a sneaking around kind of thing. yeah it wasn't that their parents were understanding of it and i think it, it was such as it was such a bubble right so it, it uh, right a very insulated kind of closed worldview when i was coming out of high school because that's basically how i mm. grown up right right well i guess it, i i, I asked the question because i was i was curious if there ever was a time where like you would say to your parents like 
uh, like this, you know, friend of mine is like killing it academically and like, you know, going to, you know, interview and, and submit applications for this you know, prestigious yeah. university or whatever. And he or she is like also going out and doing and like living their life as like a normal quote unquote teenager should, oh, yeah. you know, I, um, but it sounds like it was kind of uniform well, across the board, I, yeah, I mean, which is not, not, like not surprising. I had plenty of other friends in school that were killing it academically. I was uh, privileged enough to yeah. go to a nice um, public high school that was a charter uh, that was a charter school. So basically, everyone there was killing it academically, and a lot of them were uh, had great social lives. Uh, but anytime I tried to bring it up, my parents were like, "Nah, you're good." Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's look. I don't. I don't know. I, I mean, so I think it's interesting in that there are a lot of different forces right at play right i mean your parents you're the firstborn yeah uh, child um you know your parents are immigrants and you know they have expectations and i think that there's also like that that sense of like what is the what what is the unknown and like what do we need to do to like get our kids to you know this place in order to be successful i guess um but i think you navigated it well it just it sounds like it was a little bit more uh I don't know if restrictive is the right word, but it was a little bit more, um, I guess, high touch versus like maybe what your sister went through. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's. Uh, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Or at least how I perceive what she went yeah. through. You know, because I can't, I can't say right. exactly what she went through. Right. Right. Um, well, it's interesting because, like, so I feel like. So you and I have obviously known each other for like, uh, man, going on like 15 years so, yeah. now, I think. Yeah, 15, um, 16 years. Which is, yeah, which, which is crazy to think about because like <laughs> I, I do remember the first time we met. And I also feel like you are the type of individual where like, I don't know how you pull this off in college, but like I felt like after like year one, um, maybe like year two, but even in actually even in our first year, like I, I actually felt like you had like this really genuinely like unique way of connecting with different groups of people, like just that were so disparate, but like also like, I don't know, there was just something about your ability to like connect uh, with like people like on a very genuine basis and become friends with them, even though like they weren't out, they were in and out of like each other's as like, you know, oh, shared circles, I guess. Man. And I guess I just wonder if that's like, it seems like it's like, a, maybe there's some, some origins and like what you're describing with like, with Richmond and like having this like group of friends, um, you know, that you kind of grew up with like one part of your identity and another part of your identity. But I don't know. Do you feel like that's, that's the case? Cause like, I just, I feel like every summer or like every time we'd like hang out, you'd be like, no, nah, man, I gotta, I gotta, I got this thing with like, you know, um, black pre-med, you know? And I'd be like, okay, <laughs> that's cool. I respect that, man. Or you'd be like, you know, uh, no, I'm, I'm shooting hoops with like, you know, uh, like Bo 2 today or, or whatever. Bo 2 was our, yeah. you know, our second um, floor of uh, yeah. freshman freshman year. But I don't know. Like, what, think, what do you think, think about that? Is that is that a fair I theory think, or is uh, that? Uh... I think I had some self-realization that I was in a very kind of protected bubble environment growing up. And that was part of the conscious decision I had in coming to St. Louis for college was just that it would be out of my comfort zone. So it put me in a position where I just had to kind of 
I, I could discover new things. So I, I think I came into college not wanting to be comfortable in that sense, right? I just wanted to learn and discover new things, kind of spread my wings, so to speak. Uh, and so I just, right. uh, I, I didn't know a lot uh, culturally. So I just came in just wanting to explore and try try different things. Right. So all my all my understanding of peoples were just based on these bastardizations and kind of how they're portrayed again in pop culture. Right. These generalities. Like I remember, uh, I don't know, um, uh, one of our mutual close friends that lived on our freshman floor from Tennessee. One of my first questions to him was like, hey, you love country music, right? Because. Because <laughs> this, this guy, awesome guy, like, taught me so much, and uh, uh, but uh, like spoke with this huge southern drawl, and I was like, "You must love country music it, it completely," and he was like, "Nah, I just, I just like hip hop and rock, and it just and that happened kind of early on, yeah. so it kind of shattered a little bit. It's like, hey, like, uh, where are you coming up with these generalizations? Like, not all." people from Tennessee love country music. You, you know, it's just you grow up yeah, yeah, yeah. only seeing what you see on TV, growing up uh, living only in one town and only kind of interacting with one community and not exposed yeah. to other cultures, other kind of livelihoods, things like that outside of your school friends. It's um it was it was an awesome experience and I think I was lucky in the sense that uh other people put up with me, right? There's a lot of luck associated with it. One of the things that was very, that influenced me a lot early on was, uh, you remember that website? Um, what is it? Greatest thing in the universe? Or it was this, this guy, his uh, online personality was Maddox. But the greatest mm. thing in the universe or something like that but basically he was just this hyperbolic version of a male uh, or what a male is quote unquote supposed to be and so right um in in like i don't know if you remember this website tucker max like you know these folks that uh personify uh, or at least their online personalities were so um, I don't know what the best way to describe it. Just like, you know, like the. Yeah, they're like exactly, a caricature of a exactly. bro. And so and like, I thought, I thought. Kind of a little bit. I, well, actually not a yeah, little bit, like so very douchey. I, I didn't realize, uh, like, I just thought that was so cool. So I tried to, I, I think I behaved like, tried to behave, emulate them in a lot of ways. And that, uh, I mean, at that time I thought that that was what was cool, you know? Um. And so, yeah. like, even uh, when I was cleaning huh. my email <laughs> a few months ago, I would read some of my old emails, and I'd be like, this th this thing's unnecessarily aggressive for no reason. I just start off, <laughs> like, I was like, hey, man, uh, I can't remember, but it was like an unnecessarily aggressive email just saying, hey, what's up, checking in on a friend. <laughs> uh, but uh... regardless, I feel like, I feel like <laughs> Is uh, that aggressive? a lot of I don't my think... interactions... <laughs> 
early on in college were like that. And so that's why I say lucky. It wasn't like I was a mean-spirited person or anything like that, right? Or at least not that I uh, try to be. But it was lucky, too. I was right. lucky that you, Vainu, Ray, all all you guys, Alex, were all on my freshman floor. Think about how serendipitous that was. And we're still keeping touch to to this day, right? Like, we all have kind of similar yeah. values and things like that. How rare that is. Just randomly from throughout the world, these kind of individuals are put together and still maintain a connection. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I, I think that there was something really unique and, and you know, special about that floor. Um, and I, I think, I yeah, I hear what you're saying, too, because I think, like, at that young of an age, and I don't think this is exclusive to you. I think I think a lot of, I think a lot of, like, just yeah. young men at that age, like, they, I think people generally have, like, this degree of immaturity or the things that you're describing where you're trying to figure out, like, who, like, what does it mean to be, like, a male in this like this world where you know yeah heteronormative like standards are a certain way and it's portrayed by the media and also in yeah. the early 2000s too like when that was just like totally different times like so trying to figure um, out who, who i'm trying i to hear you yeah and then you see these for uh, these caricatures like you said and they seem so cool it's like hey, i want to be like that too and then you kind of uh, uh mature hopefully took me a little longer than than uh <laughs> than I would like, but or, <laughs> to get to you know to get to who I am today. Not saying I'm a I'm a finished product, far from it, but you know just trying to get a little bit better every day. Yeah, well, I think it's worked out. Um, honestly, uh, I don't I don't think you have much to worry about. Oh, I think it all I'm, you know kind of ended up the way that needed to happen. I, I do want to bring up something though that is a little bit controversial and, you know, just just in the, the spirit of like, you know, consistency sure, sure. of friendship, you know, I do, I do feel like there was a phase though. And like, I don't know if we, I don't know if we've actually talked about this on record. So I'd, I'd love, yeah. to, love to just dive a little bit deeper into it. You know, That's like what was going on with that scenario where like, you know, there was like that sort of parallel universe of like, other friends that you kind of had that like i don't know i don't know if it was intentional or if it kind of ended up navigating this way naturally but like it was basically like the ethnic equivalents to like me venue and ray like <laughs> yeah do you yeah, remember, that? remember that like what was up with that i don't know if that was like a i look back on it now and it is kind of like a, a funny meme to think about but like at that time was that like was that, do you think that was something like subconscious that kind of just happened when you were like expanding your net of, of, uh, you know, no, friends so or like, I think, <laughs> was so it kind of just like, I'm still friends with them to this day. We still spend a lot of time together. I think what it was, was it, at that time and just going to random parties, it was always just in their dorm and we were playing whatever types of games when we did it, uh, like video games or whatever. So it was a, it was a more secure environment that way. I think that was it yeah. because it's always closer and had more values, not values, like common interests with you guys, with you. They're awesome people and really intelligent, and, uh, but um, uh, I'm glad I got away from the dangerous drinking behaviors because I feel like that allowed also 
need to get to know them better as people too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're great guys. I mean, we, we met each other humorously enough yeah. uh, at your bachelor party, you know? Um, and so for, for context, for those who are unacquainted with this story, basically what happened was Arjun, uh, you know, Arjun, myself, another friend named Vainu, another friend named Ray. So very close to this day, but there was a period where our equivalents essentially just kind of showed up where there was like an Asian version of me, I guess, like Venu was the equivalent <laughs> of you, I guess. And then like CJ was the equivalent of Ray. Um, and, you know, we kind of dubbed it like, you know, bizarre world. Cause it was kind of like a, you know, far flung parallel universe, you know, dichotomy of, of us. And, um, I'm glad we were able to address it and I'm glad we were able to do move past it and just confirm that, you know, we are obviously <laughs> superior friends and you regret your mistake and you've moved on for it. Um, not, nothing, you know, not no, you know, discrediting those guys' intentions and, and, you know, their backgrounds, but, uh, obviously uh, you've made the right choice. So thank you for committing and, uh, in all, in all seriousness, no, they, they are, they're really good dudes. And, um, I, it's funny. Cause like, I actually, I remember at your bachelor party, we came home, I think we came home after like a yeah. very long night. And like, I, I do remember like them, I think like breaking out the Nintendo switch and like actually playing it like at the countertop, like while we were just sitting around and like doing a drinking game with it too. Um, I'll, I'll keep it at that. But I, I feel like I got a little glimpse into that culture, like when we were yeah in New Orleans and yeah, worlds were converging. Yeah, it's, it was just, uh, yeah, they were, uh, they are great people. I think it was just more. I see. Do you, now I guess like going back to Washington, so did you, um, like, was that process difficult in terms of like coming to the decision to come to watch you? Or was it something where you were like, no, this, this is the school I want to go to. And I'm going to be intentional about getting out of um, yeah, Virginia so I applied, I applied to experience to something new. Or how did that come together? Mostly the famous schools, you know, like my parents said, oh, you have to go to Ivy Leagues. You have to go to blah, blah, blah. And then I right. applied to watch you because right. honestly, they mailed me a lot of postcards. I was like, hey, the Brookings looks cool. Uh, and then I applied to UGA because yeah. <laughs> um, it was in state, and then I ended up getting into only WashU and UVA, and so I knew I wanted to just get out and do my own thing. So it was intentional from that standpoint. Got it. Got to get. Was it a pretty like I, I don't know because I I've, so I we obviously were in Richmond for your wedding, and I I thought it was a cool city. Like there were some oh, great yeah. neighborhoods. Food was awesome. Um coming to St. Louis, I guess, and like coming to um, the middle, like the Midwest, was, was that like a pretty sharp departure for you or was it, did it fall kind of no, in line? I, I loved it. I think, I, you know, there was the washu bubble. So I went from one bubble to another, uh, but um, yeah, I loved it. It was like a bigger, better version of Richmond to me at that time, you know, Richmond has certainly grown and developed yeah. a lot and now has, like at that time, had a lot to offer, but now also has a lot to offer. But St. Louis, uh, at that time, had three sports, pro sports teams. Um, you know, it yep. was just uh, it had a legit downtown. It had the arch. It was uh, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. No, I got it. So I have a, I have a, I have an answer 
that I would I would get, provide myself if I asked this question. So I'm going to ask it to you. But do you remember the first time we met? Because I I there's like a very vivid memory that I have, but I I'd be super curious to hear what what it was for you if if you do remember the first time or if it kind of just was so, gradual. Uh, as as far as a stark memory, I actually. I have, Please still be my friend. I actually don't remember the first time we met, but we were next to, we were oh, we were next God. door neighbors. So I think it was, uh, I I have this I'm vague so memory. I don't know if this is the first time or not, but I have this vague memory of either you coming to my room or me going to your room, and um, something like we uh, I don't know if you asked me something about a telephone or something like that, but. Somehow it morphed into us doing, uh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, finding an Arnold Schwarzenegger flash thing <laughs> and making prank calls over the phones that were supplied in everyone's dorm room. What was your memory? I totally forgot about. And yes, yes, we did find that website. Um, my memory was, I think I do remember meeting you. I, I also remember thinking that you were quiet, but then. Like you basically totally reversed all that within like a couple of days, that, that misperception a couple of days later when we like, I think we're outside um, in that kind of shared uh -huh, uh -huh. like green space between um, we, which is the other, you know, sister dorm to us and Beaumont, our dorm, where we sit on the first floor. And there's a barbecue going on and somebody had like brought like a karaoke machine out and like t-shirts were being handed out. And like, I think that there was like an actual amp like somebody brought like an actual amp to the like uh -huh. the green space and like they're like hey like we're gonna give like a prize like quote unquote prize which i think was like another free t-shirt to whoever like gets the popular vote for uh the best karaoke and i remember like you and i kind of i don't know how we like decided it and i also i, I actually don't remember yeah. the conversation completely because like i think we just like looked at each other and i feel like it was like a movie <laughs> scene where we were just like we're gonna do this we're, we're just gonna do this and then we chose the literal harder hardest genre possible uh and tried to sing Nelly <laughs> country grammar in front of like 50 super awkward people uh in, in just like you know and i think i don't think we actually finished it yeah. i think we actually just stopped Cause like we didn't have the words on paper. It was just like us trying to sing to like the lyrics that were coming out of the and track, I guess. Self, self and ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> that would not have gone, not gone well uh, if we had not. And I think we quit like halfway and we kind of just like, just like lingered for a little bit and just like slowly backed away from like the, the amp yeah. and like the, the machine. Um, uh, that was like my first memory of like, quote unquote, meeting you where I were like, okay, I was like, okay, we're, this, this guy's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna put himself out there. Like I can roll with that. He oh. seems like a good dude. Um, but then, you know, obviously we've gotten to know each other a lot better since then. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was, that was my first memory. I, I do remember the phone thing though, in the, in the freshman year, like just being like super annoying to a lot of oh, other, yeah. uh, <laughs> floor mates. <laughs> Because for some reason they thought it'd be a good idea to give uh, everyone a uh, like one of those That's right. old school uh, now old school one of those phones uh, 
and then give everyone a phone with like the landline and like exactly what everyone else's number is and it would have this really annoying ring right remember that yeah yeah yeah. and it was like it was like pre-facebook too so there was an actual like like wash you book of faces i think when I had like the numbers for each, I don't know. Like it was like it was very old school. Numbers or, or whatever it was. Because like, yeah, we signed up. We ended up yeah, yeah, yeah. Facebook. I think our second semester. Yeah. That year. That year, where you still had to have yeah, a, a, yeah, have a school email to get Facebook, and there were only certain schools that had it. But um, right. But yeah, we just uh, call people and find these. Uh, online flash button things where people would just say have celebrity recordings you press it and then it would say whatever uh, th- yeah this is super good podcast content but, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean let's be honest though like it was mostly yeah. just Arnold I, I don't I don't know that there was any other you know quote I mean, quotables or anything like that we things, could find yeah it was just Arnold um it sounded but like i guess going to wash you so like it sounded like you had this really strong idea that like either you wanted to be intentional about trying something new and also uh and or also trying to expand your social network too but like did you at that time also think that you like you were like committed to this path of going to medicine or was that something that kind of came also at an early age or maybe a little later on or or how did it how, how did it come about uh, a little more set in stone in the sense that um i think coming into college that's what i thought i wanted to do uh and then i think this is one of the main re- one, not one of the main reasons but one of the reasons i admire you so is i i remember you coming in you wanted to you were pre-med too and early on, I, I, uh, I, you were like, nope, this isn't for me. And you switched right away. And just having the guts to do that, like the, like the cojones to say, nah, this isn't my thing. Uh, and switch uh, to, to business, right? Uh, I mean, I was undeclared, oh, undeclared at that time. You switched and you were like, no, nah, I'm going to figure out what I want to do just to have that i i think i was uh i I was too scared to not know like i i was too scared to Mm. actually explore and fully utilize uh or fully get the most out of my college experience you know like there was a sense of security in knowing hey i'll be pre-med major in biology these are the classes i have to take after that you take this test then you go through application process then like having that regimen was uh, mm. a safe place for me, so I I I would have been scared shitless to do what you did. So I I still admire you for that to this day. Just saying, ah, I'm gonna do my thing, and then grinding and and crushing it. Like yeah, like <laughs> you're awesome, man. That's uh, but oh, but, but uh, thanks, dude. But yeah. I mean, to be clear. I I also re- I feel like I also received a lot of feedback academically uh, about my prospects of being like a good doctor or like being like a physician or even going through like four or more years of uh, pre med. So I 
I I guess like I don't know. I I also feel like uh, this is one of those things I kind of go back and forth on because I do think like I'm very glad that I kind of made that decision, but I also think I was just woefully unprepared in terms of what had to come after that. Where I and I feel like I respect you and Vanu and Ray and frankly anybody who goes through this process because it is like it is committing like a large portion of your life to serve others, right? And to like get into a profession where you are grinding it out, like you are uh, grinding it out in a different way. Um, but I just, I had no idea of what, like what the process was like. I, and I feel like what was, I, I always respected you and, and again, the crew for like kind of knowing upfront that like there was like this, this step procedure that you kind of had to go through, right? Like, I feel like, did you, did you think, did, did you actually know that in high school? kind of going in or like was that something that um like it kind of became more aware like aware of the freshman year process you had to go through but for me it was just like hey what's the next step hey what's the next step what do i need to do to okay but i also think that was right so there were a lot of speed bumps for me along the way right so i didn't i applied to med school in college but i didn't get in that first cycle and so then I was stuck in kind of, hey, I, I've been planning my whole life, which at that time seemed like forever, but just 22, to be one thing. And yeah. to be told, hey, you're not, um, you can't go anywhere. You didn't get in anywhere. And that was devastating for me because I thought academically, I definitely mm. had the qualifications, like I had great grades, a lot of extracurriculars, things like that. So I couldn't even understand why I didn't get in. Uh, right. Right. But, uh, and so it wasn't until, and then I spent a few years trying to just figure out if medicine was the right thing for me, where I rode on an ambulance, I worked in a hospital as a nurse as a nursing assistant for a bit and actually contemplated becoming a nurse for a little while um mm-hmm. and then ended up reapplying and then getting in but uh but i think there was uh, throughout the whole process and even in med school i it was just like going through the motions it wasn't i don't think i was actually passionate about it until later on in med school and in residency when i was like hey like i have a clear sense for what i want my career to be you know it was just this kind of vague yeah yeah i want to be a doctor kind of thing and so um Hmm. and i think uh i didn't take med school seriously enough initially when i got into it because again it was just i didn't have that clear sense of exactly or not, I I don't know of what it, what what I want to do with it. Even in in medicine, there are lots of fields in which you can practice and things like that. So not having, I think I function a lot better just in general when I have a schedule and a regimen and things like that. Like hey, this is what, yeah, like a checklist a checklist kind of thing. Like hey, these are the tasks I need to get done. All right, this is what I want to do. Um. And so I didn't have that for my career, even in med school. So I, I did not work hard, and that showed. I I really struggled in med school. Ended up getting through by the hair of my chinny chin chin, and then once I got into residency, 
And then later on, about midway through medical school, I did my family medicine rotation. And that's the first time I felt like, hey, this is awesome. Like you see these docs that Mm. have known their patients for a long time and have great relationships with them, but are still, but the kind of, the ownership that they take of their, their patient's health was awesome and how much the patients trusted the docs with, with their lives, right? Like these are the folks that are helping manage their chronic conditions. I was like that. I, I want that. Like, and so that, that started the beginning of the process for me starting to buckle down a little bit and, or uh, starting to buckle down and, and take, take medicine more seriously and um and then now i'm in a place uh where i'm really happy with my career i love what i do and uh i can see an avenue to doing i can see an avenue for my career like doing exactly what i want to do you know yeah were there any people that like kind of inspired you to keep going Oh, 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 what do you mean by that? Like role models or people that I don't think I'd be here without? Or I guess like, so my my original first question was going to be, was there ever a point where you decided that, or you thought that maybe this was not something you wanted to do? Um, but I think the question I had more specifically was, like you obviously decided to move forward with it, but I guess like, was there somebody in like your community, like in your sort of, you know, ecosystem of people that you were working with in med school or in residency that you were like, this person, I want to, I want to follow in the footsteps of this person and do what he or she is doing. Or I'm seeing like how this person does this, this, and this, and it's really inspiring me. Or I just have a great relationship with this person who's given me a lot of encouragement yeah, to like yeah, yeah. So there, keep mean, going, so even though it's crazy. People, but I think the, uh, so because of all the speed bumps I hit along the way, there was, I had like, as far as not getting in the first time, not having great grades in med school, um, there's a lot of insecurity. I had this imposter syndrome. Like, did I actually belong in residency? Do I actually belong in med school kind of thing? And so, um, and of course, like being insecure, it's not like I talked about it with my med school friends. Uh, but um, so many of my residency professors and my uh, advisors in med school were so encouraging and like seeing how much, how much they cared and how much effort, how many efforts they went through, how much effort they went through to give me all the resources that I could ask for uh above and beyond just the normal curriculum i was like hey like these people actually care it's not like i'm just another name on a page to them you know that that was um just uh, having that sense of validation like hey uh uh you belong uh, gave me kind of encouragement to work harder to prove to them like hey your efforts aren't in vain yeah that's awesome so yeah so there were that's awesome um, my, uh, to be more specific, my advisor in med school, I don't know if I should, the residency uh, department chair and assistant department chair. Um, Got for, it. For the, for the residency. 
not the entire family, but you know, uh, they were they were instrumental in in helping me. Yeah, was there ever a moment where it, it kind of clicked for you, where you were like, I know I've had this imposter syndrome, uh, and I've had these these kind of feelings of doubt or lack of confidence, but like. Would you say, I guess, like, it, was there sort of like an aha moment or light bulb because of these relationships or, you know, as a result of these relationships um, that you were kind of like, I can do this? Uh, no, I just, I, I don't know that I'd say that there's a specific moment. It's just, you're forced to do it, you know? Residency, you yeah. have your clinics, you have to take care of it. I, I think I've had specific patients that I've, when I was in residency that I established great relationships with and it's just like I really care about this individual and I want to do the best I can for them so I found myself going to mm. just spending extra time even outside of work trying to make sure I had a great plan like a care plan for them or a management plan for them um, and then once you start job and there's no as in a, as a attending after residency and there's no kind of fallback you're just you're it uh that's just kind of a yeah here you go tossed in the fire kind of thing but then getting feedback from colleagues mm. like a uh positive feedback from colleagues is really validating but even now i don't think that they're that uh that i'm completely over that sense of hey do i do i belong am i good like i've been in this job for a couple of years i've gotten uh like I really enjoy the work that I'm doing. I have good relationships. I'd like to feel with my colleagues and um, with everyone with whom I work. Uh, you know, uh, as much can professionally. You know, there are always going to be yeah. people that you work with that kind of maybe rub you the wrong way or whatnot but uh, but it's still a good, good working relationship uh but getting that good feedback from them um helps me feel like hey i'm I'm doing okay i just need to continue working because that's the thing about medicine right is it's constantly evolving so it's not like you can rest on your laurels either right but i feel like the more i work uh, the more i kind of realize what i'm good at what i'm bad at um my uh, and then areas that i need to focus on so for me, the important part is just having uh, having a plan for how I'm going to continue my learning and like building up on my weak areas. That's awesome, man. That's such a cool mindset to have. And it's the right mindset to have, too, I think, as as somebody who is, you know, handling the care of, of people. And I, I think that's so great. Yes, so, but I mean, um, yeah, do you? But thank you. No, no I was just Go ahead. saying, Sorry. I mean, it's the right mindset for me, right? That's the only way I can survive and not get overwhelmed because there's no way I'm going to learn everything that needs to be learned. But, you know, whatever, right. whatever right. you got to do to. So that, I mean, the process of that, though, like, is there. So, like, you know, I, I think you and I, we have we have a shared interest in uh, team sports, in particular, like mm -hmm. football and like the NBA. Um do you feel like there are things that you've read about or like like regimens or like sort of mental psychology of like some of these like pro athletes that you and I grew up with? Like I, LeBron is obviously like a great example of that, but like anybody else that you kind of like have like said, wow, that guy has like a great approach to like his craft or his profession. I need to like be 
bringing some of that into like my day to day when it comes to practicing. Uh, or if not, that's also good too. I'm just curious if there is something that you, you kind of channel outside of yeah, like the realm yeah. of medicine so or I like think, personal I think the motivation. Because growing up, because uh, sports has had an, an I don't think you can put in words how much of an influence it's had on me. Uh, but growing up, you see folks like Allen Iverson, Michael Jordan, Shaq, just crushing it. But what you don't, and living this awesome lifestyle, but what you don't see is the years of, of, of like hard work and grinding that they put to get to where, where they are, right? Uh, and so, and I think Kobe kind of more uh, popularized this, but I, or, or at least as Kobe's career started progressing, you started hearing more and more stories on just his insane work ethic, you know? Uh, and so mm. it's just, mm. that's the skill that I wish I could just strengthen and continue to strengthen is just the sense of work ethic. Because you can always make excuses like, hey, I have this other thing to do. I have this other thing to do. But, um, and I still do that, right? But uh, I try, uh, that's, that's probably the thing that I, that I try to work on most is just not making excuses. And when I have this task to get done, just to do it, like set the time aside to do it. Right. Well, I will say, so I'm, as an aside, I do remember a, a couple of months, like in college, I don't know if you remember this too but i i feel like i was uh, i just would hear these like workout stories from you you know like where i'd be like hey man i'd be like talking to somebody like maybe it was somebody like like one of your other common friend one of our common friends and be like yo man where, where did arjun go we're gonna hang out today and he'd be like oh yeah he uh he went to the swimming pool at like 6 a.m with that guy yeah. from tennessee yeah so we and like so he was like that, working out. That was helpful for me because <laughs> I never worked out before that. So we made a made a standing plan. Uh, I think three times a week at whatever time the gym opened, and the gym and the and the wow. pool in our in our school were connected, uh, but uh, were in the same building. But we had a standing date uh, to go in the mornings three times a week to work out. And we held each other accountable. I mean, as much as it could, you could in college. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think I did that for a full semester. And that's really when my strength, like I'd never worked out before, but um, from where I started and where I ended, like it, it, you could see... Uh, like I was squatting a lot more, I was benching a lot more. Like there were actually physical differences. Like you can actually count uh, count the difference. And so that's what uh, somewhere in the back of my mind it tells me. Like, hey, if you actually put in the time and do it, like you're gonna see improvement. Quit making excuses and do it. Right. And that uh, that's kind of right. spread. Uh, right. I'm hoping. I still work on trying to incorporate that in other aspects of my life. Just that, hey, just do it. Would, would you say that moment was the impact of that moment has basically influenced your like i would say unhealthy obsession with the tricep so i'm all about i'm all about vanity muscles so the triceps <laughs> are actually actually pretty useful 
Uh, but yeah, for the traps, the calves, and the biceps, I would say yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> wow, yeah. we are getting some good stuff. I did not expect that answer to be so detailed. Um, but I'm glad. I'm glad <laughs> we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, man. You have to have the okay. vanity muscles. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um. Do you still work out? I mean, are you on like a pretty like consistent no, schedule? That's the thing, and that's falling by the wayside again. It's just like there's, um, with you know again more excuses with the move, with coronavirus shutting gyms down, things like that. Um, uh, my work schedule being a little more haphazard. Uh, my workouts have gone by the wayside, yep. but you know again, uh, there's a little bit of. Um, that's a little bit of an excuse in the sense that you can find workout videos on YouTube, right? Like it's not, all you need is an open space. Mm. You don't need weights. You don't need all this. And so I tell myself, oh yeah, I'm going to start working out. I'm going to build a gym downstairs or I'm going to build a gym in the new home. And then, and then I'll start working out again. It'll be so easy. I don't have to go anywhere instead of just doing it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I think, I think you've earned a little bit of a respite if you need it, uh, given that you are a new dad, which is another huge milestone that's occurred in the last year or so. So congrats to that. In addition to the home, in addition to getting married, in addition to all these like great things, um, in your lifetime, I guess, like, how has that process been? Like, I, you know, um, do you feel like kind of do the same question about like, was there a moment where you kind of were like, okay, I've got this dad thing like on lock, or do you feel like it's kind of been like a gradual thing that you've kind of got more comfortable with, or is it, is oh, it still no, a work in progress in a good way? I, I, uh, yeah, no, no way do I have this dad thing on lockdown, but, uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm fortunate where my yeah. kid's uh, a good kid. Like he's, he's, He's a boy, so he's just running on, running around, bouncing his head off the walls and doing <laughs> stuff. But he's not like mean hearted yeah. or anything. He'll listen to us, and when we say to stop something, he'll stop. And he's he's very sweet. So we're fortunate. In that That's way. good. Uh, but no, man, it's uh, yeah. I I think uh, one of the big changes was uh, just having to account for him in every decision that I do. So I can't just say, oh, yeah, I'm going to mm. go out to dinner or I can't, I'm going to go out to the store. It's like, oh, got to bring him with me. Or I can't say, oh, I'm going to go visit, mm. visit before coronavirus, obviously. I'm going to go visit a friend for a long weekend. Oh, no, can't, can't do that. But uh, <laughs> it's just, um, yeah, like, I mean, just can't act selfishly anymore. But, but uh he's he's awesome you know it's uh yeah lose a lot of freedom but you gain a lot of um you gain a lot from the kid too like he's just an awesome person and he's getting cooler and cooler every day just seeing this little this little lump that used to just sit there poop and feed and and turn into a human <laughs> being and, and that you're uh I actually have a big role in that that being's life like that's that's just awesome yeah yeah 
That's huge. That's huge. Do you now? Do you feel like he came with a personality, or do you feel like he is getting or he's absorbing oh, no, I'm a personality? Creating in with my personality. I I play <laughs> I play tool around him every chance that I can get. I uh, nice him a little basketball hoop so he can work on his stroke. I'm teaching him how to dunk. So. Uh, what what song? What oh, song from Tool? A lot of them. Uh, recently, we've uh, we've had their latest album on uh, on the playlist, but uh, probably Lateralis was the one I played to him most when he was a young kid. Uh, and then Schism mm-hmm. obviously is a is a okay. one of my favorites. Um, Do you and Paige have like a specific like playbook that you guys are trying to? Um to kind of inculcate him with, or like, is it, is it something that you guys are just more talking about and sort of yeah, executing so, on I like mean, a, definitely we're talking know. about it. It's an ongoing conversation, but, uh, she does a lot more of the reading. Like she'll see a post about another mom saying, Hey, this author has great ideas or Hey, try this, try, uh, or try mm. this baby method, try that baby method. She does a lot more of the reading for me. It's just, I try to, um, I don't know. I I just try to be honest with them, you know, like, but set set cl- clear kind of black white expectations. So, uh, yeah, I, just trying to be direct with them. It's like, hey, if you want milk, you uh, uh, you can't just walk around and have milk. You have to sit here, or you have to sit in your seat and have milk, or uh, no you can't have sugar whenever you want or you know like it's not not yeah. trying to create any gray areas like uh, that's i just try to keep it simple just try to keep expectations uh, yeah clear for him but also realizing that he's a baby right he's just trying to get some reaction out of his parents like he's gonna do whatever mm-hmm. so if i ignore his bad behaviors and like compliment him and uh, when he does something good, quote unquote good, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like yeah, yeah, setting boundaries and yeah, got it. Do you now? Um, I guess in terms of like thinking about like your like day to day and like and like some of like the. the the week by week things you guys have to do and you had to adjust like what, what what's been the biggest challenge so far in terms of uh mastering this sort of new schedule and like this new lifestyle it's just different right i don't think it, i mean having being responsible for a human being is not easy like you gotta um but i think it it's actually been kind of nice in the sense that his life is so regimented he has a a bedtime, he has you know meal times. He has certain activities that he does throughout the day. So in that sense, uh, yeah. Like along with his regimen, like that uh, inherently creates a regimen in my life, uh, lifestyle in my in my life. So that's mm. been helpful for me, just having more of a regimented. Like, hey, I know kind of how his day's going, so I have to adjust my day around that, which has been great. Yeah, I guess it, it. I guess it's more like you always hear about like parents that are adjusting to a new sleep cycle or things like that. You know, like are adjusting to the fact they're not getting any sleep or if there is any of that. But it's something oh, you guys no, are that was that was kind of on the same time, page. But that's just 
that <laughs> that's just uh fortunately now he's a little older and so he's sleep trained and so uh-huh. he'll, he uh we're at least able to sleep throughout the night but yeah for the first what year year and a half 15 months he would wake up at night and we'd have to go console and take turns but you know you forget about that really easily yeah yeah definitely definitely um last last question about um the the new addition i guess how did you guys settle on xavier i mean obviously i'm sure there was strong consideration to draymond and Kawhi and <laughs> you know uh uh R- russell yeah. wilson but uh, um so actually how did you guys settle we were researching names for a long time. We knew we wanted one, uh, quote-unquote, Christian name and one uh, more Indian name, Hindu name. Um, and Krishnan was my grandfather's name, so that one was pretty easy. So that's his middle name. But uh, Xavier, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, I was looking at X-Men names and uh, Professor X. His name is Xavier. Uh, yeah, that is and awesome. Then, uh, <laughs> and then it turned out that uh, Saint Xavier was a Christian, uh, a, a Catholic priest that had some significance in India. So it was just kind of like, a, hey, let's go with this. It's kind of a, it's not a commonplace name in the sense that it's, you know, it's not a trendy name, right? Um, but yeah, but right. still recognizable. Two syllables, easy to say. But yeah, X Men actually, for, from my perspective, played a big role. I was just looking at the list of baby <laughs> names. And I was like, hey, can I have a DC theme? Can I have a Marvel theme? Can I have some sort of theme? Maybe like basketball player theme? Because I'd, I'd proposed to Paige and she vehemently didn't, uh, she was uh, very against this. Uh, vehemently opposed to it, but uh, a la in front of a a, a name, name like LeBron, uh-huh. LeMar, yep. Aldridge, something like that, because I felt like that would increase his chances of becoming a pro athlete. Um, uh-huh. so she didn't uh-huh. like that, so that got me along the lines of, hey, can I have a theme to? Because I think we're, we're uh, we've been talking. Uh, we, I mean, we had talked while we were dating and before we got married, hey, how many kids you want? Stuff like that. So we want more than one kid. Uh, and so I was like, hey, could there be a theme? And that, that led me to X-Men, and I proposed Xavier to her without without telling her about the X-Men theme about it. Um, and she accepted, and then after the kid was born, I started telling her about the X-Men theme. <laughs> So is it is it is it fair to say that like Saint Xavier was the actual impetus, but like it just so lined up with this ulterior plan of yours to include X Men oh, no, into no, this? I'm, I'm serious about the how I came about it. No, I'm serious, but like I'm what I'm asking though was it was it a collaboration or was it something that just basically you planned kind of off to the side by like inspiring her to think oh, about no, Saint it Xavier? It was just serendipitous that Saint Xavier was. Uh was somehow involved with India and was actually a Catholic saint. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. So you, okay. So just to be clear, you did bring up professor X to your wife when you were suggesting 
Oh no, the no, child's name Xavier. Yeah, yeah, not Professor. Okay, yeah, just just Xavier. Xavier. Okay, okay, got it, got it, got it. Because isn't uh, isn't Z- Xavier Charles is the guy like Professor? Yeah, X, Charles right? Xavier. Yeah, yeah, in X Men, Charles yeah, yeah, Xavier. Yeah. You're right, right, right. Okay, I see, I see. Okay, that's a that's an amazing story. Wow. So, was there ever a world where like Thanos was ever? No possibility. Because no, I'm not. I'm. I feel like, um, if the name's too outlandish, like that's gonna. uh, Maybe I'm just a little, uh, um, narrow-minded in my reasonable reasonable. perceptions. But I feel like that would affect his his ability to find a job and stuff if he just had some, (laughs) you know, just some outlandish. Uh. Well, that's awesome, man. So, well, I, man, he looks like such a, you know, great kid, super cute, super happy for you and Paige. Um, you know, it's going to be a great, Thanks, yeah, man. it's going to be a great family. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so kind of moving on to the next part, let's talk about the next segment, movie review. Uh, Arjun, you chose the 1987 classic Predator, not to be mistaken with The Predator, which came out in 2019 and was directed by, I think, Poncho, the guy who played Poncho in the original 1987 Predator, Shane Black. What, why did you choose this film? And what, well, first of all, what, what significance does the movie Predator? Well, I mean, I, I feel like every kid our age was a huge Arnold fan. But I don't know if you remember the reason I chose it uh, for a few reasons. First, that Arnold thing that we used to do. Uh, <laughs> crank calls using Arnold's uh, movie slogans. Um, but also, there was a time in college where every time you'd, you'd say hello to someone, you'd be like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Like like that famous <laughs> handshake between Carl Weathers and Arnold. Yes. Uh, and so I was like, yes. oh, we yes. got to do it. We got to do that. Because also, <laughs> I I agree. It is uh it is one of the best in best ways to say hello. I feel like uh, that you can have just like this. Uh, just this awesome kind of handshake where they immediately go into arm wrestling contest, <laughs> and you know they're old. I think like the the, cl- the close up biceps are yeah 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 ten times bigger than they're supposed to be. It's just it's there's <laughs> nothing wrong about any of that. It's just awesome. No, I literally grew a mustache yeah. last night watching it um, <laughs> after that scene. Um, I, I feel like also when you look at it too, there's like literally like muscles within the muscles of like the bicep that is like being zoomed in on in that film but they're not just flexing Um, literally like uh, i think the part that i love most about is they immediately go into an arm wrestle thing (laughs) (laughs) also can we can we just comment on the fact that like the main character's name in that film is dutch it's just it's just dutch there's no last name it's just dutch uh and the other guy's name is dylan that's it just yeah. first name basis yeah. full stop uh they how spend, incredible is they that spend a good portion of the first part of the movie just establishing how 
how uh, like manly the all these all the guys in the platoon are. Like <laughs> the first shot you see of all of them, who Jesse Ventura is just like pop and dip like it's chewing gum. Uh, the other guys <laughs> just shaving on a helicopter for no reason. <laughs> like what other? Yep. Yep. What other thing would you be doing? Arnold's just chomping on a cigar. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, it's just it, it's nice to go back to a simpler time in the movies where you knew what you were getting, right? You go to Predator, you know Arnold's on the bill, and you know it's just going to be him kicking butt, and then and the group getting hunted by the Predator. Uh, it was it's just right. awesome. Uh, but uh, going yeah. back to the beginning of the movie, uh, there's this is one of my bigger nits to pick. This is supposed to be an elite, elite tactical military group, uh, mm-hmm. which I think would imply efficiency. But the first scene in the movie, or one of the first scenes in the movie, is them on this helicopter. I guess the first scene is the predator being launched from the shit space already... onto Earth, but. Uh, then I think I know where you're going to take the helicopter. this. Helicopter. They land on a beach. They take a jeep along the water for what <laughs> must be several miles just to come to this other house. But when they get out of the jeep, there's literally a helipad right behind them. Why wouldn't they just land the helicopter right there? <laughs> and there's two helicopters on the helipad, so you know it's a helipad. I totally thought that helipad was like literally a football field away. Like I thought they got into the Jeep and they just literally took a, a, a less than a minute drive to get to the other spot that I totally, totally agree. Yeah. No. So immediately I, I was like, these people are getting murdered. Like they can't even figure out a logistical, <laughs> uh, a simple logistical detail. Like how, what's the quickest way to get into the home? Oh, let's just park the helicopter right outside of it. <laughs> Literally no curbside planning. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. It is like a film where you look back and you're like, actually, like this could have been planned better. Like, there's that part, and then there's also the part where like Dutch is like somehow surprised that like the mercenaries that they're just being like the like the, the what like the the gorillas that they're being formed shot down like a helicopter are actually not gorillas. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "You never told me that, Dylan." And Dylan's like, "Well, I'm a pencil pusher now because I didn't, I didn't know either." And I'm just like, "You guys literally named like six like countries that you served in, and like there was probably better planning in every one of those in this mission you're on." <laughs> like he named like Afghanistan, yeah. I think like Serbia, like Venezuela. Yeah. I don't know. I was just like. You're acting surprised as if, like, this is a shock to you, and yet there was, like, zero reconnaissance. I don't know. I guess, like, if you're a mercenary, which they are, like, that's something that you probably don't plan for, I guess. But still, it's kind of like... You know what you're hmm. getting into. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Yeah. I I still think the film holds up uh, over time. There are some definitely choice terms and, and phrases where I'm like, oof, that, that was, you know, it's not, that's not right in a, you know, post Me Too oh, era. Yeah, no. 
Um, but but that can be said a lot a lot of movies in the eighties. I I um I find myself really still enjoying the fact that like even though it was like practical effects, you know, with like the Predator, it wasn't CGI back then. It was just like this guy in this huge suit wearing like S and M body mesh with like a crazy helmet and dreadlocks. Like it still looks pretty good, as does like the effects around his invisibility yeah. cloaking and the fact like he gets out of the water and he like looks like a total they, badass. They, yeah. Yeah, like the shoulder cannon. Awesome. They did an awesome job with the practical effects. I also don't know why, but I really like when they do the predator view and he's trying to steal these people's voices. That they also have the audio yes. kind of, um, for lack of a better word, waves that that go along with him learning uh, their these people's voices. Uh, I thought uh, that's just cool. Like I, I don't think I've seen that before. The prayer view, and then, um, like he's learning their waves, and just a way to kind of uh reinforce that. You see the, see these audio waves coming through on the side. Yeah. Did you ever watch the sequels, like Alien versus Predator? No, or like I didn't Predator see 2? the immediate sequels. I saw the later Predators that were done in the past ten years, like the one that came out last uh, last year, and the um, mm. and the one with Adrian Brody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought the one with Adrian Brody was actually pretty underrated, to be totally honest. I don't know. I I I particularly enjoyed it. I thought it was like the the best like reincarnation yeah. of it, like where it wasn't totally relying on CG, CGI I mean, and like uh, there was yeah, like a sensible plot to it. It actually, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, that was the one where Lawrence Fishburne had a little cameo, wasn't it? Yeah, he was that like, that, that like very like old school, like he'd been surviving them for like, yeah, eight, yeah, like yeah, decades, yeah, yeah. it sounded yeah, like. I, yeah, it, it actually had a story to it. It wasn't, um, Yeah, it's like totally off the rails or, or something where people were like, whoa, what is going on yeah. in this film? <laughs> uh, as opposed to Alien, Alien versus Predator, which was like, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I actually never saw that. I, I didn't even give it the time of day. <laughs> Fair but enough. Even this Fair movie, enough. Like, it's not just uh, the Predator hunting, hunting this group and Ar uh, Arnold just uh, kind of doing Arnold things. It had an underlying storyline as far as these people trying to escape and trying to protect uh, uh, this uh, hostage, you know? Hmm. I never thought about the hostage. Do you think that that was a bigger focal point for the story? Like this idea of like defenseless hostage versus like the hunted being for prey I, and I, stuff like that? I or? think it, uh, it, I don't think the movie would have been the same if it had just been the mercenary versus predator. I think uh, mm. she provides kind of like a, uh, I mean, as, as skewed as it is to say like, oh, it's this defenseless female, she needs protection kind of thing. I think just having another individual yeah. outside that, like, I feel like uh, as a, as a non-mercenary, I could sort of put myself in her place, right? Like, how would I handle this situation? I'd be 
you, you know, like I think she serves as the yeah as the uh, placeholder for the audience, and so that and so that I uh, see that's a nice kind of it provides another layer. You know, it's not just Arnold yeah. and the Predator or these mercenaries. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a nice counterpoint to like the. I guess like the skill and like the the lethalness of like this group that's been assigned to like get out of the jungle um, versus somebody who's like kind of just there, you know, at the behest of like this gorilla group. I guess um, they never really explained her background, but like she's kind of just there and then makes it. Yeah. I guess afterwards, but um, yeah, yeah, interesting. I um, yeah, I I find it very enjoyable. I agree that it takes me back to like a simpler time. It's it's like definitely a movie where I'm like. All right, I know, I know exactly when people are gonna say like stuff like he's dug that son of a bitch is like dug in like an Alabama tick, or like, you know, yeah. I ain't got time to bleed, or like, you son of a bitch, stick around, um, stick around, and stick around. Oh, so good, so good. Um, and then, just trying to think. Yeah, I mean, like, I it's one of those movies where you're like. That was like I don't know. It's it's an interesting time to think about like what movies were being made then too. You know, because it's like it was such a big box, like big budget film, but like relative mm-hmm. to today's standards, it it absolutely was like it absolutely paled in comparison to like scope, mm-hmm. you know, and scale. Like they had to like work with like the the realities of like their design and like their effects, the technology that was available to them, and like what they produced was like really good. I thought you know like. This is a movie that's like basically a bunch of people in a jungle for like yeah. probably three months and like a guy wearing a bodysuit and he looks like he's literally hunting them for sport. It's like it's pretty crazy to think about. Um, and I guess it, it's a simpler time in that like I think as a kid, you probably like look back and you're like, how could I ever have like fallen in love with this like kind of practical effect, like this sort of like big budget film? But like when you're a kid and you're seeing this for the first time. I mean, I saw it on like network television where they had to like scramble some of the language because obviously it wasn't suited suitable for, you know, children or, or um, they had to censor some things because like it just wasn't appropriate for that, that uh, audience. But I remember being like, this is like so crazy, like yeah. big box. And like, this is like, like larger than life and like Arnold and like everybody, it's like, it really settles into you as like this kind of thing that going back to your point that like, you know, you kind of, you got to think about like, this is like the standard of like masculinity yeah. at that young age, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's no, just me. No, I, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> where did you, where did you buy Did you buy the DVD or no, did you digitally. buy it like digitally? I, 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 uh, okay. yeah, I just have a library that's of good. digital movies. So I'll save up and buy a movie or, uh, every once in a while they'll have like a deal of, um, like a package of series, you know, like, get all the mission impossibles for this discounted rate. So something like that. So I'll save up and buy those. Mm. I see. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, we're going to close out with the last two segments of the podcast. Um, we're going to start off with fan submitted. So these are questions that have been submitted um, by a group of friends chosen by you. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to disclose who asked the questions. But okay. just know that they know you, and some probably know me too. Um, 
So yeah, so we'll just get started. Um, okay, question one. Do you believe in parallel universes or parallel parallels in our own world? Bizarro worlds, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I don't think my understanding of physics is good enough <laughs> to make any educated statement uh, about that. But, uh, I mean, I like the DC multiverse, so sure. All right. Hard yes. Um, question two. Can you speak as to your interest in Eastern art forms of yo-yo? <laughs> I, I know exactly who asked this question. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a little while. I, I think probably a decade since I've picked up a Chinese yo-yo. But I, I, I think I still have it. I think I still have it somewhere in one of these boxes. Um, but yeah. Can you can you can you brief the audience like a little bit on the origin story of the well, Chinese yo-yo? If I know the exact, because it's been so long. But basically, in high school, there were a bunch of talent shows, um, hmm. uh, or there were a bunch of shows. There was a main talent show, and then there were cultural events, things like that. Uh, and so I picked up Chinese yo-yo during one of these things, uh, performed the Chinese yo-yo along with a couple of friends, one friend who was really good at it and kind of taught the rest of us. Um, and then I can't remember, did I do stuff in college with it too? Um, I mean, I don't think we would have been talking about it if we hadn't seen you do it in college. I well, think I can't you remember did. if it was just uh, in the or if I performed during like a Chinese New Year thing with uh with a group. I I think you might have performed. No. Do you remember performing? It's been so long, man. <laughs> it's been so long. I remember some tricks that I used to be able to do that I don't know that I could do anymore, but I mean I certainly can't, but um but it started in high yeah. school uh, for I think a Chinese New Year kind of celebration show kind of thing, and okay. then transitioned to college. And after college, it just kind of dropped by the wayside. Yeah, except for the shows, which you presented in, I think. Uh, yeah, right. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my question is, like, in high school, was like, like. You know, because I think like people kind of fall into things because they associate with certain people. Uh, they have a common, common, you know, friend group that likes certain things. Was this something that like people were just doing? Like they were like, like, you know how like people like play pogs yeah. and like play like no, no. So Pokemon. I think, uh, and I that was, was it kind of the things I was really fortunate uh, to be part of is our high school was very diverse uh, in, in as far as the interests. Mm. And so there weren't, sure, people had their circle of friends, but the, but people hung out all together. There was this, there were common kind of um, lounge areas. And so you were free to be, to hang out with several different groups without any judgment. And so one of the groups, the, uh, and it was a relatively, eh, I mean, a lot of folks interested in drama, a lot of fo our school was government and international studies, so we were required to take six years of a foreign language. So there was a lot of people interested in government and kind of international studies. And so for those types of, for those reasons, there was a lot of um, uh, inter uh, there were a lot of groups that focused on different 
cultures and things like that. And so I just managed to, I think one of my friends was part of, uh, part of the committee or part of this New Year's, um, Chinese New Year's show, uh, putting on the show. And then I saw them, I think I saw one of the people doing the Chinese show. I was like, Hey, what's that? And then they ended up latching onto it kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's, that's super cool that the school was uh, progressive enough to like have programs like that. And that's, that's, oh, yeah. that's, like, no, that's, was, that's really awesome, actually. Fortunate in that sense. Like, and it was a small school too. There was only about 150 in the graduating class. So it was, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Pretty tight group then. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I was happy. I got a skill out of it, a life skill out of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question three. Um, do you still find Bill Simmons's content interesting? If not, do you think you grew out of it or he got uh, worse? So yeah, I still listen to his podcast all the time. Uh, he doesn't write as much anymore. I wish he would, but uh, you know, just like the, the media, he's evolved, right? Like he started out as a writer and then he was, he started podcasting super early on, I think 2007-ish, 2008-ish and has had a few iterations of his podcast as the companies for which he's worked have uh, progressed. But um, but no, I still right. listen to his podcast. I still love The Ringer. I uh, listen to um, several of their podcasts. Um, but I, I feel like he's introduced me to so many different voices. Uh, that's been pretty cool. You know, like uh, NBA writers wise, Zach Lowe and Kevin O'Connor, uh, just yep. a lot of in yep. intelligent people that really are passionate about what they what they're doing and just work hard. That's awesome. Do you now when you listen to this podcast, do you watch it on YouTube or do you listen to it just on uh, uh, I listen iTunes? to it on uh, uh, just listen to the podcast on itunes or spotify as i'm driving or as i'm doing other stuff that's uh that's actually because i i need background noise so uh, every so often i'll have some yeah. sort of music or whatever playing but most of the time i just have the podcast going in the background got it yeah. got it um cool well question four um based on his current physical prowess what sport is xavier playing first hmm first you can i mean feel free if there are multiple sports that he will be playing cumulatively that's that's also like, good too but i guess know, the first i, mean, I just is, want uh, to expose him to different things right and let him pick what he likes and what he's passionate about uh Paige's family is really into swimming uh and so he's and her parents have a small uh, have a swimming pool in their backyard, so they take him swimming all the time there uh, when the weather's nice and it allows for it. Um, so I feel like that's one of the earlier sports he'll do is swimming. But I I feel like basketball hmm. or soccer, just something that all you need is some open space, um, and a ball, you know, Got or it. a hoop and a ball. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. All right. Yeah. What what sport do you think you would want him to play first? Oh, um 
I, I don't know that I'd ever want him to just pick a single sport, but I think it'd be nice if he took up like soccer, basketball, and and tennis or baseball. You know, just a little bit of everything. I just want him to try the different sports because I feel like they all have something unique to offer and just have a unique kind of mentality associated with them. It, yeah. As an aside, I I have a follow up question. Do you envision giving him like participation trophies, um, or is this a is this a world where you're like, look, this is the this is sort of the reality of where you know participation ends and and you know sort of achievement kind of fills in. Like, how do you yeah. think about that in the context yeah. of like? So I mean, I feel like there's all that. So when they're really young, I don't feel like like you know elementary schoolers don't need to be uh given they, they don't i don't feel like they need participation trophies because what are you giving a trophy for uh like th there has to be a sense of achievement with getting a trophy right and so participating like great you participated mm. the the trophy is the friendships and the camaraderie you get out of that but as the level of the um the competition increases like middle school high school beyond uh if he if he wins uh if his team wins or if they do well and plays then yeah of course let him keep that trophy whatever place it's uh i hope they give it to him but not just like a hey congrats you showed up kind of thing you know yeah 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 did you ever see that video of James Harrison, the former Steelers linebacker, like just like throwing the participation trophy no. in like the trash? Because he just like he, it was like, it was kind of like a a very weird moment because I was like, it feels like this is like the millennial versus like boomer or sorry even Gen X like conflict just coming to battle in like this like very like small moment yeah. of values. But I mean, forgot, so, it's like I a mean, long. It's not that. Yeah. So I remember it's not like participation trophies are a new thing, right? Like I got trophies from Little League just commemorating being a part of that league. I feel like that's completely fine. Just like, hey, I was here as part of this league this year kind of thing. And I, I remember looking at those trophies and, and remembering the good times. So, I mean, uh, like a yeah. photo, right? It's not like photos are a bad thing they just serve to commemorate some, a moment in time uh but yeah as far as celebrating those trophies like yeah like celebrate accomplishments you know like you yeah showed up you finished the season that's great like you got a lot of relationships out of it you have a lot of friends and mentors and got uh, out of it but and you have a trophy to commemorate that that experience. That's awesome. Great, keep it. But I don't know that I would ever throw away a trophy if he if Xavier got it. But I certainly wouldn't right, go right. out of my way to print off a certificate for him just for, like, you know, <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 for sure. For like, well, like you said, you have to earn it. I mean, there has to be some level of like or some degree of accomplishment it, it, attached to it. It depends what so. the trophy represents, sense. right? It's not just like a, hey, congrats, this is a trophy just so you don't feel left out. Eh. And while everyone else is getting a championship trophy or a medal, eh, probably not. But if it's like a, hey, 
this is a trophy because you all were part of the Little League, league in Richmond in 2030. It's like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, you you got one. Everyone else got one. Yeah. Great. Yeah, like, hold on to that so you can remember yeah. all the friends that you made during that. All the memories from that season. Yeah. That's a really cool. That's a cool way of looking at it. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. It's like a yeah. It's almost like marking or yeah, but commemorating like if moment. He's, um, if he's in a four-person tournament and gets fourth, then no, like sorry, buddy, you should have you should have placed. <laughs> Next question. Um, and these are again not submitted by me. These are these are from the outside world. So, um, okay, why camo? What was the statement? And were you actually were you actually hiding from someone? Oh yeah. So um, I feel like my camo <laughs> phase was so short lived, but it was at a it was at a <laughs> wrong time, so that you guys still mock me for it. Because my camo phase ended after college, but you guys still mock me for it. Well, can you, what, when I, did I it begin? Know why when, the camo? When, when I think was there it? was a time. I think it went along with all this. Um, kind of being really influenced by this perception of what what was masculinity kind of thing in the military and just um, mm. was, uh, uh, nothing but respect for military members and things like that but just you know how they're portrayed in in the movies just these really awesome kind of like the predator right like they're just these awesome people that just do do whatever yeah. it takes to get get stuff done. I was like, oh, camo, camo's awesome. Let me just get a bunch of camo. I mean, to be to be fair, camo did make a comeback. I feel like in the you know the the mid to late two thousand like two thousand tens. So just a little ahead of the curve. I mean, yeah, I think I mean you could you could say that you were actually you know you're playing yeah you were just you're just paving a path for the the trend to reemerge. i think i actually i think we can actually point to you as like <laughs> the origin of that yeah you're still hoping <laughs> i'll i'll wait till i get my royalty <laughs> <laughs> okay so speaking of apparel this next question i i find it a little bean and whoever asked this is uh obviously somebody who I think he knows you well. Uh, but question is, hand to God, did you know that, that they were... <laughs> I'm sorry. No. Hand to God, did you know that they were women's shoes when you bought them? Yeah. I did. <laughs> they. Uh... Can you explain? Can you explain what, what exactly happened in, in this... In the, in the, yeah, in the, the context of this question? That I really liked. They didn't have the men's style in my uh in my size but they had the same exact shoe that was marketed towards women uh that was marketed towards women in my size so i bought the women's shoe it was the same shoe one was one was marked male one was marked female and then i bought the female one because it was in my size what I brand was that it? uh it, if i'm thinking of the same shoe that we're talking about it was a green in white basketball shoe. Yeah, I think it was a Nike shoe. Nike or Reebok shoe. Yeah. I think that's right. I think that was during the trip we went to Florida. Yeah, yeah, it was the it was in Tampa Bay. 
Was it Tampa or was it the trip I mean, that we, we went, went to, to spring break we on? Detour to the Tampa Bay Outlet. Sarasota. With uh, uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. I can't remember going because is it Tampa Bay like really far south or is it? I don't know about I think, Florida. I think it's just geography, a little but... like an hour south, uh, hour further south. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That was also like 13 years ago. No, no, nine years ago. Oh no, man, point. that was that. Yeah, no, 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 twelve no. years ago. Twelve years ago. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, fun time. Do you still have oh. them? <laughs> those those <laughs> shoes fall. Word. Uh, uh, they were uh, outlived their usefulness a long time ago. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, next question: Who negotiates your endorsement deals? Um. Uh, uh, no one. Uh, me. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Um, are you worried at all that family and friends only continue to hang out with you because your son is so cute? Uh, a little bit, but it's also kind of annoying because <laughs> he's so cute. They want to spend time with him, and then I'm forced to spend time with them instead of being able to do what I want. So, <laughs> yeah, fair. I mean, I love seeing all my family. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's just more reasons for them to see you more frequently. Yeah. It sounds like. Yeah. Um. Awesome. Well, that concludes the fan submitted segment of this <laughs> podcast. Um. <laughs> Some really insightful answers. Um, glad we could get some uh, much needed on the record feedback for those. Um, and the last segment is uh -huh. rapid response. So first first thing that comes to mind, um, it's sort of a either or choice. So yeah, okay. let me know. Uh, first question, early early riser night or owl. Not, night owl? Biceps or triceps? triceps. Uh, cook, dine cook. in, or take out? Team Idris Elba or Team oh, Kevin Hart? That's a tough one. Oh. Team Kevin Hart. He's just giving me so many laughs. Yeah. Uh, tell us about a great day you recently had. What made it great? Dude, with all this, the pandemic going on, it's been pretty, pretty boring. I guess a recent great day was just, it was one of my days off, uh, pages of work, so I was taking care of Xavier and we just had a great day together. Good father Sunday, took a couple of snuggle naps. He was super cute. It was a sunny day outside. It was just a nice, simple, awesome day. That's awesome. Um, team Snow or Team Targaryen? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, eesh. Which Targaryen are we talking about? Uh, Daenerys. Daenerys. Team Snow. Okay. Why? Uh, I, I, cause, uh, that's a, that's a tough one. She has a, a lot back in her in the sense <laughs> that she has dragons. That's a, that's a pretty good trump card. I don't know that I can put a, a word to it or explain it. I just I just found her annoying. That character annoying. 
Mm. I mean, mm. she was awesome, right? Like she she was a boss. She she took control and um, but she just found her annoying. I don't know why. I think you're not alone. I think that's some that's fair feedback people have said on the forums and in general about the series. Um, St. Louis or St. Charlottesville? Louis. Wow, interesting. Why? What? I mean, tell I me more. Know. I don't know. I just, I just never clicked with Charlottesville. It's just not my cup mm. of tea. You know, in the past few years, it's really mm. grown a lot, and there's lots of. Lots of boutique restaurants and a lot of microbreweries, things like that. A lot of places to just—it's very family. It's grown to be very family friendly, but it's just uh, not my cup of tea. It's a very—it's a very white town too. There's not a lot of diversity. Mm. Um, there's a decent amount of segregation, like UVA. Uh, it has been there for so so you know for for what since the mid 1800s yeah so yeah that culture is just very entrenched in charlottesville i feel like i don't know though that just may be a complete mm. perception but that's that's at least the perception that i have and that never sat well with me i see i see um beach or wine country beach Uh, tell us who you choose for the next podcast guest from our collection of mutual friends. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I got something that'll substitute for a coin. It's a piece of paper. We'll see which side it lands. Uh, <laughs> nice. All right. Danny, it is. Okay. Danny Velasco. Yeah. Um, finally, is there any other breaking news that you'd want to share, um, on this podcast, anything at all, anything that you haven't told the world or anything you'd want to share about what's going on in your life, uh, good or bad, or I wish there were stuff, but you know, uh, things are life is going on. Lots of, uh, no, no exciting trips or anything like that. It's just baby new home and, and job. And wife, that's it. Hmm. Yep. Fair enough. Well, uh, always Likewise, a pleasure, man. sir. Uh, it's, uh, always is, good to catch uh, up. It's been great yeah. talking with you. And next time we need to do a reverse podcast so I can uh, get uh, hopefully get to know you a little better too. <laughs> I'm the one who asks oh, okay, the questions okay. here, Arjun. There's there's no there's no other pot. I'm just kidding. Uh, of course, of course, we can explore. Yeah, um. All right, sir. You we'll too. have a great day, and uh, I'm sure we'll get this Thanks, up brother. very soon. Uh, talk with you soon. Bye.